Glad to see the remnant. <laughs> you guys have come and in faithfulness. Um, Joseph said something this morning, and uh, and I was struck. <laughs> but I was struck. He was saying, uh, we we're talking about coming to church, and and he said, you know, that it should be sacrificial. Maybe sacrificial, but it should be sacrificial. And I was uh, thinking about when David was asking the people to bring things for the building of the temple. And... uh, David himself didn't just re- require the people, but he required of himself. And, and he said, I don't want to give anything that I, it does, that I don't have to sacrifice something. And I think that's, think about what does the Lord require of us? Well, he says, take up your cross. He says, follow my example. And, and those things are sacrificial. And should we ever come to the Lord without uh, something that we have to ourselves sacrifice? I mean, we put it on the line, you know, to come and to, uh, to, requ- to require of the Lord. And... Uh, his requirement was done at the cross, uh, but there's a requirement of us. And uh, by no means am I, this, this isn't a chide. This is hopefully just an encouragement to be able to say, hey, uh, our God sacrificed. And far uh, be it for us to bring something that we don't sacrifice. Um, we've been talking about the love of, just love, love in general, but today I want to talk about the love of God. I talked last week about how we see all that Christ endured, all that Christ did while he lived here on earth. He had it made. Uh, He was in heaven, sitting with God, and they weren't regulated by time, but there was a certain time (laughs) that God turns to Jesus and says, Let's make a planet, and let's put people on it. And these people are going to love you, God. They're going to love me. They're going to, and, and they're going to live their life unto God. To consider that. It, if they were regulated by time, there was a time that that happened. But... What happened was 
of course, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve came and screwed that all up. And so, God said, Jesus, you're going to go have to go down there and you're going to have to fix it. And so, Jesus said, Jesus, okay, whatever we got to do. And so, uh, I want to talk about the love of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 through 21. Have you ever considered your emotions? Have you ever considered, you know, I get mad, I get angry, I get happy, I get joyful, I have love. You know, a lot of people argue love is partly emotional, but both it is, by its own basic instinct, it is what we do. Love is what we do. And so to consider the love of Christ or to consider love in its basic form it was invented. Love was invented by God. God is love. See, I mean, it, it, it blows my mind to think of it very far past this, but to, to really understand that every emotion that I have has been given by God. And he invented love. How wonderful is that? How wonderful is that He gave us this love thing to be able to share with one another. It's a gift. I mean, it truly is a gift. It's a gift to the person that you love. It's a gift to be able to receive love. Love is, has its magnitude of it has started wars, it has finished wars. That's the magnitude of it. That love has uh, started arguments and finished arguments. Love. But today, when we talk about the love of Christ, He was the supreme example of what this love is. Starting with verse 14. For the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So he's saying this love thing, it constrains us, it keeps us back, it holds us in. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. There was a breach. There was a gap that happened. And there was a reconciliation that needed to be done and it was done by what? Love. Its motivation, motivating factor was I love those people and I got to get them back. 
there's been a breach. And it says, we, he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of getting back together. Not only with God, but with each other in the right way. Now, then we are ambassadors of Christ for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech us, you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, we be reconciled to God. For He hath made Him to be sin for us. Get that. For He hath made Him to be sin for us. As vile as sin is, however big or small that we categorize degree of sin, He became that. Oh, man. And He didn't deserve it. And it but it was part of the plan. It was part of the plan of reconciliation. He's going, I will become sin for you. Well, how did He become sin for us? He died a sinner's death. He took on the punishment that we should have taken on. For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made what? We be made the righteousness of God in Him. Do we consider ourselves the righteousness of God? When somebody asks who you are, do I say Arthur Rodriguez or do I say, I'm the righteousness of God? They go, well, aren't you arrogant? <laughs> don't you think a lot of yourself? No, I don't have to think a lot of myself. God thinks a lot of me. To be able to say, I am the righteousness of God in Him. It's not of things that I did, but it's the things He did for me by the death on the cross and by the humiliation that He took on. It was by His actions of love that I get to call myself the righteousness of God. Now, He truly is the righteousness of God. Jesus is. But then He says, Who lives in you? You have the faith of God. Galatians 2.20, and I'll read that here in a minute. But what He's saying is, we become the righteousness of God because we believe in Jesus Christ. He is our Lord. And He is our Savior. To take on that dynamic of Jesus in our life is to be able to say, I have been transformed, transformed by the renewing of my mind. I used to think of myself in one way, but now I need to start thinking of myself in another way. How do I do that? By taking on Jesus. By taking on His way, His Word, His truth, that actually lives in me, I become the righteousness of God. So how do we keep from being arrogant? Well, we keep from being arrogant is that, again, not of my doing, 
but of my acceptance of Jesus. And so when he looks down, he doesn't see Arthur, he sees the blood of Christ that covers Arthur. I am righteous by what he has done. Now, what does that mean? There was a day when I was in junior high, I believe I was in sixth grade, and someone told me the gospel. Someone told me about Jesus and dying on the cross. And, and I, remember, I remember that day. I remember bawling my eyes out because I realized how much he gave up for me. And so what happened was I then started a journey. A journey of living in Christ. We all have done that. I believe everyone in this place is saved. And so what does that mean? Well, that means that His love, the love that I have for my God, He constrains me. What does He tell me? Well, Arthur, you need to stop living the way you used to live. You've got to change your ways. You've got to change your life. You've got to change. Why? Because if it was left to me, I would what? I would be a heathen. Wouldn't we all be? Heathens. Well, maybe y'all. Not y'all, but me. I would be a heathen. And, and I would say, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. If it feels good to me, then I want to do that. And God says, my love constrains you. To think of it, instead of a, a vertical way, think of it a horizontal way. Does your love for somebody else constrain you? Well, yes, it does. Joseph considers her when he does something. What if he thinks, well, she may not like this or she may not want to do this. It constrains him. He, he's not a single man who lives single. Understand, that's a big deal. When someone who is single does, is, is not married and they still leave single, live single, causes problems when they do get married and still have that same mindset. I'm just do whatever I want to, whenever I want to. I ain't going to spend money like, you know, it grows on trees. And your wife says, um, do you know we got to eat this week? <laughs> you, sp you spent all that money on a four-wheeler? Really? But I want a four-wheeler. Does that not? No. Love constrains God's love constrains. For the love of Christ constrains. Is it His love that constrains me? Or is it our love that constrains me? It's both. It's His love and my love. We come into a mutual agreement on what things are happening or are going to happen in our lives 
Love constrains. And we have to realize that. We have to realize that sacrificially, sacrificially, we give our lives to Christ. Why? He doesn't demand it. He doesn't. He says, you have choice. You have the ability to say no. And sometimes I think, really? Do I really have the choice to say no? Because I know what's on the other side. I know that if I don't follow the way of Christ, I'm subject to the consequences of living another way other than the way of Christ. We should all know that. We should all see that. Love being our motivation. Love. When we think of it as an emotion, when we think of it like, ooh, it just wells up inside of me. I do that with prophetic words. When I get a prophetic word, I don't just... uh, something pops in my mind, it also comes within here. It says the candle of the Lord is the uh, the candle of the Lord is, is the spirit of the Lord searching all the innermost parts of the belly. It just rises up within you and you start to feel this thing that's happening and usually it's love for that other person. Like, man. If you knew if you knew what was going on in my head and you knew what God was saying to me about you with the emotion that God has for you, oh man, you would just like bask in his love, bask in the things that he is saying about you and thinking about you. I want to ask you a question. What do you think that God thinks about all day. Just mull that over in your head. What does he think about all day? What what do you think what, what do you think about all day for one? Well I've got a job, I I've got uh, kids, I've I've got uh, you know, I'm planning a trip, uh, I've got all of these things that are going on in my life. What does God think about all day? We are the bride of Christ. We are that which God gave His life for. If I spent that much, if it cost me that much to reconcile them, I would be thinking about it all the time. God What does God think about all day? You. You. That's that's why He went to the cross. That's why why He created, created, created earth. Heaven and earth. God thinks about you. In Philemon, chapter 1, there's only one chapter in Philemon, but verses 5 and 6, it says, 
hearing of your love, hearing of your love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual, active, living, doing what it's supposed to do, effectual, by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. What's in you? Jesus. So what's in Him? Love. And He's saying, hearing of this love that you guys have for for God and for the saints, He's going, I want to acknowledge that. The communication of thy faith may become effectual, active, doing by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. I think we should spend as much time as we can, as much effort as we can, acknowledging what is in you. This man is a Barnabas. This man is is an encourager. This man does the will of God through the very Spirit that's within him, and that spirit is, I'm going to encourage. I'm going to say good things about good people doing the right thing for a good God. What did I just do? Acknowledge. I just acknowledged that. For what purpose? So it would become effectual in him. It would be active in him. It would produce fruit in Him. That's the love of God. Constraint. Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. This is, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also in the likeness of His resurrection. If we shall be in the likeness of His death, how are, we, how are we in the likeness of His death? Through baptism. It is a symbolic death. It is going down into the watery grave and coming up a new creature in Christ. It is important that we acknowledge those things and that we are also in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Wow, that is a mouthful. That, that, is, that should blow your mind. Because of this very thing is able to rid you of the shackles of any sin that's dogging you. That's saying, Arthur, you can't shake this. Arthur, 
You can't be better than this. Arthur, accuser of the brethren, is coming at you because of what? Of sin. And telling you half-truths. Did you know that a half-truth is a whole lie? Like, Arthur, you. Well, that's right. Me. But then he starts accusing me of all sorts of things. And what I do, I believe in. And therefore, there's not a transformation of my mind. And so therefore, how do I get freed from sin? I have to die. Die to myself. Die to the way that is of the flesh and live unto the Spirit of God. The flesh Oh, know that our flesh is strong. And Paul says, for the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, I do. Who can save me from this wretched man? Only Jesus. Only Jesus can save us. Isn't that even more cause and reason to love Him? Man. To be freed. Everybody close your eyes. Just real quick. I'm not going to throw anything at you. But think. Who is God to you? If you were to imagine God. Is He a tyrant? Is He a tax taskmaster? Is He someone who has no mercy? Or is He a God that truly loves you in this relationship that you have with Him? A father and daughter. A father and son who truly embraces you and knows what everything you do, everything that you think, everything that you say, and still and still just wants to love on you. He wants to love on you. That's the Father. Even His discipline is merciful. And that's how He loves. I hope that image that you have there was given to you by the Holy Spirit. This is who God is for you. And that you know that we died to sin so that we may live unto Christ. Think about that. Think about how love constrains us into loving God more. It's, it's a natural thing. Uh, Sharon and I were talking, and we were reading this book together. I'm driving, she's reading, and she goes, isn't that the truth? I said, what, what? I must have missed the sentence right before she, she read it. She says, when somebody loves you, don't you want to love them back? When... When your wife or your husband or your brother or sister, 
when they do something out of love, doesn't it rise up within you to love them back? Love rises up within you. It's what we, how, how we should always operate. So if a God who loves us, what does His love actions require from me? To love Him back. It's a natural thing. To love Him back. And the more I get to know Him, the, most, the more beautiful He becomes, and the more it constrains my flesh to be able to love Him more in spirit. For He that is freed, He that is dead, is freed from sin. Wow. Dead to sin? Galatians 2, 20 through 21. Galatians 2. Starting with verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Whoa. How can be crucified and live? We die to our flesh and crucified there. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me and the life, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace or the power of God for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Whoa. If, if we receive righteousness any other way than through having a relationship with Jesus Christ, then He went to the cross for nothing. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about the details of the, of the journey that Jesus endured to the cross. All of that would have been null and void. You're talking about dead works. Dead works out of Hebrews uh, chapter 6. Have, have you ever done something, something hard? I've done lots of construction stuff. Not well. By no way an expert. But I've tried. And so I've got to do one thing in this construction and it's taken me all day to find out at the end of the day I did it wrong. And all of that stuff that I did didn't amount to anything but wasted time and probably ten pieces of wood, <laughs> sixteen nails, all of that stuff. Why? Because i got to tear it out and do it again. Ah, oh, so frustrating. That's about that compared to the enormity 
of Jesus going to the cross to realize if we don't realize that the relationship that you have is why He died for you, and then all of a sudden you're going, no, I can do it another way. He's going, why go to the cross? Why do what He did? Why endure the, the pain and the agony of hanging on a cross? Because we say, we got this. We can do it better. We can do it through another way. He says, no, you can't. You cannot. Then Christ is dead in vain. We must die to sin. Die to sin. <laughs> there was this guy in college, and uh, I, I just met him. And... Uh, he took this knife and he just stabbed himself in the leg in, in the calf. And I was going, you crazy. <laughs> I started meeting different kinds of people. You crazy. thing is, I didn't know he had a wooden leg. His leg was dead from the knee down. He had no feeling. He had nothing to constrain him from putting a knife in it. Well, that's the issue here. If you're dead to sin, then what is it that makes us sin? It's that place where we're not dead. It's that place where we still feel. It's that place where we either know better or, or have sensations that are, gonna, that are earthly, and sensual, it's a problem. Why? Because we haven't died. We haven't died to ourselves. We haven't died to the things that Christ has outlined in His Word. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, I'm going to talk about a few of those things at the end of this. Constraint hides you. Isn't that true? I mean, just think about it. When we constrain ourselves from the thing that our lustful selves want, then it hides us. God sees to that it hides us. But if we give in to it, what? All your sin will be exposed. Eventually, sin will be exposed. But he says, you, Colossians, chapter 3, verse 1, if you then been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, you are dead, and your life is hid in Christ in God, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you 
also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, uh, conspicuous, yes, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He said, these are the things that are going to cause you problems. So how are we to get rid of it? Mortify the members of your body. I don't know about you, but that's 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 a that's heavy. That's that's not tickling your ear type thing. This is loving God above loving ourselves. In verse fifteen of Second Corinthians five it says, And that he died for all that they which live, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wow. Our love for him allows him to be Lord of our lives and has died through our burial and resurrection in baptism. Consider that now that we're on the other side of our salvation, he says, offer your members as a sacrifice. Know that salvation is something that we work through. We are to be transformed. We are to seek God. We are to move. We are to labor to find his rest, it's not over. There have been times in history where they miscued the the word of God and said, hey, I'm saved now. I can go do whatever I want. No. Just live your life unto the Lord. Our love for him allows him to be the Lord. I've talked to people to be saved and and I ask them the question, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? Some say, I don't know. Some say, yes. Some say, you know, How do I get there? I said, well, let me ask you a second question. The second question is this. If, you're, if you were to die tonight and you were up there in heaven and they said, why should I let you in? What would you say? Um, I don't know. The only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. It's only through His sacrifice. It's only through who who He is. And so we realize the, the torture that Christ endured 
which draws us into a love for him. Man, he must have really loved me. God must have really loved me to sacrifice his son for me. And so now, what do I do? You make him Lord. I want him to be Lord of my life. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, starting with verse 7. For none of us lives to himself, and no man dies to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, for to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. This is talking about literally being the Lord of the dead and the living. But I want to ask you something. I want to subject something to your mind. And that's this. That he is the Lord of the living Arthur, of the spirit of Arthur that lives and has its being in him. But he is also the Lord of the dead that is in me. That which keeps trying to resurrect itself, trying to live again in myself, and through what Satan would do is temptation. Well, yeah. Did you know, in the Scripture, and I don't remember which book it's in, but he says, those of you who steal, don't steal anymore. It's an amazing thing to me. Because what he's saying to Christians is stop stealing. Stop trying to make a living off somebody else. And he also goes on to say, get a job. That's how you provide yourself. Not from stealing, but getting a job. And that's how you provide for yourself. Then he goes on to say, the nerve of this guy. Then he goes on to say is this. Take what you've earned and help somebody else out. He wants me to stop stealing, change my way of thinking, and start working so that I can provide for myself. But then he says, give it away! Wow! <laughs> Look, stealing was just a whole lot easier. I didn't have to do anything. Just pick pockets or whatever. But the reality, he's going, change your mind. Change your thinking. Die to yourself and live unto the way of God. For none of us lives to himself. That's a big statement. Can you say that? Can you say, I don't live to myself. 
I've I've changed. I've moved on. I'm, I'm doing something different. I don't live into myself. His love for us allows us to be justified. Romans chapter 4, starting with verse 23. This is out of the Amplified Version. But the words it was credited to him were written not for his sake alone, but they were written for our sake too. Righteousness, standing, acceptable to God, will be granted and credited to us also who believe in God, who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was betrayed and put to death because of the misdeeds and was raised to secure our justification, our acquittal. His death, His love allows us to be justified. I have one more scripture, Romans 5, 5 through 11. And hope makes us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. That would be us. For scarcely for a righteous man will die will one die, but preadventure, but peradventure, for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commends his love to toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than being now justified by his blood, we now, we shall be saved from wrath, the wrath that he endured through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. Love constrains and makes possible for us to love. Love constrains and makes it possible for us to love. In John fourteen fifteen, he says, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll do what I say. Let me put it a different way. Love allows us to keep His commandments. Love allows us to do what He wants us to do. Love is our motivation. 